Welcome back to My Favorite Killer, the podcast where we talk about not-so-infamous killers. This is part two of Albert Fish. Um, In this episode, we're going to go more in-depth on the murders that he committed, along with the letter that he wrote to the Budd family regarding Grace Budd's death. This should be the final part regarding Albert Fish, Um, but before we get into it, I always preface, if you do not like the discussion or talk of murder, torture, rape, anything of that sort, please click away from this video, do not listen, do not watch, um, and enjoy the rest of your day. We are going to start off today with um, a recap of the background knowledge of Albert Fish, along with some extra detail that we left out in the first part. Um, and continue on with that and go more in depth. And then um, at the end, we're going to read the letter that was sent to the Bud family. Hamilton was born to Randall and Ellen Fish on May 19, 1870 in Washington, D.C. Hamilton was the youngest of his three siblings, Walter, Annie, and Edwin. Hamilton Fish wished to be known as Albert, the name of a dead sibling of his to escape his nickname, Ham and Eggs a name he was given at an orphanage in which he spent most of his childhood. His mother put him into St. John's Orphanage in Washington, D.C., where he was frequently abused. Albert began to enjoy the physical pain the beatings brought. Of his time at the orphanage, Fish said, I was there until I was nearly nine, and that's where I got started wrong. Around 1910, while he was working in Wilmington, Delaware, Fish met a 19-year-old man named Thomas Kedden. He took Kedden to where he was staying, and the two began a sadomasochistic relationship. It is unclear whether or not Fish forced Kedden to do these things, but in his confession, he implies that the man was intellectually disabled. After 10 days, Fish took Kedden to an old farmhouse, where he began to torture him. The torture took place over two weeks. Fish eventually tied Kedden up and cut off half of his penis. I shall never forget his scream or the look he gave me. Fish later recalled he originally intended to kill Kedden, cut up his body, and take it home, but he feared the hot weather would draw attention. Instead, Fish poured peroxide over the wound, wrapped it in a Vaseline-covered handkerchief, and left a $10 bill, kissed Kedden goodbye, and left. He said he took the first train out of town and never heard of Kedden again. On July 11, 1824, Fish found 8-year-old Beatrice Keel playing alone on her parents' farm on Staten Island, New York. He offered her money to come and help him look for rhubarb. She was about to leave the farm when her mother chased Fish away. Fish left, but returned later to Keel's barn, where he tried to sleep, but was discovered by Beatrice's father and was forced to leave. Three days later, Fish killed Francis McDonald, also on, instant, on Staten Island. During, the 19, during 1924, the 54-year-old Fish, suffering from psychosis, felt that God was commanding him to torture and sexually mutilate children. Shortly before his abduction of Grace Bud, Fish attempted to test his implements of hell. On a child, he had been molesting named Cyril Quinn. Quinn and his friends were playing boxball on a sidewalk when Fish asked them if they had eaten lunch. When they said they had not, he invited them into his apartment for sandwiches. While the two boys were wrestling on Fish's bed, they dislodged his mattress. Underneath was a knife, a small handsaw, and a meat cleaver. Implements of hell. They became frightened and ran out of the apartment. Fish married on February 6, 1930 in Waterloo, New York to Estella Wilcox. But, di- was, but divorced after only one week. 
Fish was arrested in May 1930 for sending an obscene letter to a woman who answered an advertisement for a maid. Following that arrest and one in 1931, he was sent to the Bellevue Psychiatric Hospital for observation. On May 25, 1928, Fish saw a classified advertisement in the Sunday edition of the New York World that read, Young man, 18, wishes position in country. Edward Budd, 406 West 15th Street. Fish visited the Budd family in Manhattan under the pretense of hiring Edward. He later, he later confessed that he had planned to tie Edward up, mutilate him, and leave him to bleed to death. When Fish returned, he met Edward's younger sister, Grace Budd. He apparently changed his mind, changed his intended victim from Edward to Grace, and quickly made up a story by having to attend his niece's birthday party. He convinced the parents, Delia Flanagan and Albert Budd I, to let Grace accompany him to the party that evening. Grace left with Fish that day but never returned. In November 1934, an anonymous letter was sent to Grace's parents, which ultimately led the police to Fish. Mrs. Budd was illiterate and could not read the letter for herself, so she had her son read it to her. The unaltered letter, complete with Fish's misspellings, grammatical errors, and everything else, reads, Dear Mrs. Budd, in 1894, a friend of mine shipped as a deckhand on the summer Tacoma, Captain John Davis. They sailed from San Francisco to Hong Kong, China. On arrival there, he had two others and went ashore and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. At the same time, there was a famine in China. Meat of any kind was from one to three dollars a pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under 12 were sold to the butchers to be cut up and sold for food in order to keep others from starving. A boy or girl under 14 was not safe in the streets. You could go in any shop and ask for a steak, chops, or stew meat. Part of the naked body of a boy or girl would be brought out in just what you wanted cut from. A boy or girl, behind which is the sweetest part of the body, as sold as veal cutlet, brought the highest prices. John stayed there so long that he acquired a taste for human flesh. On his return to New York, he stole two boys, 17111, took them to his home, stripped them naked, tied them in a closet, and then burned everything that they had on. Several times every day and night, he spanked them and tortured them to make their meat good and tender. He first killed the 11-year-old boy because he had the fattest and, of course, the most meat on it. Every part of his body was cooked and eaten except head, bones, and guts. He was roasted in the oven, boiled, broiled, fried, and stewed. The little boy was next and went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 East 100 Street, rear right side. He told me so often how good human flesh was. I made up my mind to taste it. On Sunday, June 3, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street, brought you pot cheese, strawberries, and we had lunch. Grace sat in my lap and kissed me. 
I made up my mind to eat her. On the pretense of taking her to a party, you said yes, she could go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester. I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped all of my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I would get blood on them. When all was ready, I went to the window and called her, and then I hid in a closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry, and I tried and tried to run downstairs. I grabbed her, and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked, how she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death and then cut her into small pieces so I could take my meat to my room, cook, and eat it. How sweet and tender her little was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not her, though. I could have if I had wished. She died a virgin. Police investigated the letter and the story concerning Captain Davis and the famine in Hong Kong could not be verified. The part of the letter concerning the murder of Grace, however, was found to be accurate in his description of the kidnapping and subsequent events, although it was impossible to confirm whether or not fish had actually eaten parts of Grace's body. So that kind of wraps up all that we have. Um, I know that there was more on his arrest, but not much that we could find. Um, or not much that we put down. Yeah. Um, I know, yeah, he was arrested and he was sentenced to the electric chair and he was really excited. He said it would be, or... In the days leading up to it, he became really excited. He said it would be the his final thrill, the one that he had never tried. Which is... Do you mean, like, do you think he was suicidal at times? Like, because he said that he had never tried. No, I think he's crazy. I don't really think he was suicidal. Well, I mean, um, <clears throat> that could be, like, a type of... Psycho like a psychotic break, maybe, to be suicidal during that time. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, just, I think he was just crazy. I don't really think... Well, I mean, you can be both. You can be crazy and suicidal. But I just don't think he was suicidal. I think he was just weird. Just weird? Yeah, it's weird. Eight kids. Did you say anything about that, about who he ate kids? Yeah, in the letter it talked about um, how he, like it was telling their family about like what he did to Grace and how he ate her. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. Um, there was a little boy. No. Did we talk about that? Yeah, the 11-year-old and the 7-year-old. Like a 4-year-old boy. I didn't read, I didn't see anything on that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a 4-year-old boy that he had like beaten a... I don't know. It could have been the seven-year-old. I say there was an eleven-year-old and a seven-year-old, and I'm pretty sure they were brothers. Mm-hmm. And he ate the eleven-year-old first, and then the seven-year-old. But I didn't think that was him. I thought that was his friend. Yeah, because it said as soon as he returned to New York. Oh yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure that um, they ate them together. No, because he was talking about how he needed to try it. 
Well, he or knew that, that he knew that he had wanted to try it, but there is no. But he didn't eat it with his friend. He that's when he decided to um, find was it Edward, and then he decided on Grace. Edward was like not a man, but he was like seventeen. Yeah, and then he saw Grace, and then decided, mm-hmm. and then he changed his mind. I was like, oh no. But I I think he had ate someone before that because in that letter. No one knows if that friend exists. Mm-hmm. Like that friend might not exist, and that yeah. famine in Hong <clears throat> Kong probably doesn't exist either. It's so something that he had like made, made up in up, his head, right? Yeah. So that's kind of what I was thinking because I remembered reading about how um, the famine had never been proven. Like yeah, it was never like a definite thing that happened. And that guy probably never existed either. So you think it was just like all in his head? Like he a made psycho- it up. Like yeah, the, like the psychosis. Mm-hmm. And- do you think it was like a hallucination like he used to have or do you think it was just like he was crazy and just made it up? I think he probably just made it up. Not re- well, I don't want to say made it up, but believed it was true. Just like the um how he believed that God was making him do those things. Yeah, like I don't think he had I don't think what he said, I don't I think when he said it, he didn't know that he was that he was lying. I think he a hundred percent. Yeah. But that, yeah, there that, was that would make sense because there are a lot of people that like it's almost like an imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't. Well, okay. No. <clears throat> you know what I like excuse me, but you know what I mean? Like you as a child, like people who have imaginary friends, they envision these people and they make up backstories for them and their name and the life that they had. And then eventually like some kids just like believe that it's like that's really a person and so part of me almost wonders if like because of like his psychosis and like the psychotic break that he was having like maybe he did make up this person and like you said he just truly believed that he was a real person mm-hmm. and that all of that stuff really happened but i swear i sw- i think he ate like three people three kids and we i'm pretty sure we only went over one i think he had definitely talked about more, mm-hmm. but I think we only discussed Grace because that was, like, the big one. That was the big one. Um, but actually, a theory, though, is, like, if his friend isn't a real person, did he actually eat the people that he said that his friend ate? or And, like, that was his way of coming forward with it? Or... You know, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I've never thought of that. Yeah. Like, what if, like, his friend was him and he was just trying to make himself sound less horrible? I don't think he was trying to make himself sound any better than he was. Because he didn't really care about that. He was just like... Well, I think, I don't know if he thought what he was doing was right, but I don't think he thought what he was doing was a problem. Well, well, because he thought that God was the one telling him to do it. So I definitely don't think he thought it was a problem. mm -hmm. He was like, oh, this is what the Lord wants me to do. I'm doing good by God. So I wonder why he wasn't more open with it. I don't think he really talked to anyone. I'd say, I think like you said, like he knew it wasn't right, but he didn't really see a problem with it. So he himself didn't have a problem with it, but he knew that other people would, possibly. Right, people wouldn't understand. Right. They weren't being talked to they by God. They weren't being talked to by God, right. I don't know. Like, 
It is definitely mind-boggling, and it's definitely something to think about. Mm -hmm. That's why I like the, like, bad cases, I guess. Because you never really know what was going through their head. They're just interesting, yeah. Yeah. Because there's not really a, this was a motive. This is why they did it. You just don't know. So it's all up to your interpretation. Like with Donald Gaskins, I don't. I don't think he really had much of a motive. He, yeah, that's a, that's a thing that I think is really interesting too because at that point it's just left up to your interpretation and what you think and that's a good way to start conversations with. Mm-hmm. With like every killer really, um, it always starts in childhood. Yeah. Like Edmund Kemper, his mom was a, I'm pretty sure it's Edmund Kemper, his mom was a prostitute with like, so he would kind of have like a bunch of stepdads mm-hmm. that would beat him. And then Ed Gain, he was the other way around. His mom, I'm pretty sure anyway, his mom was either terrible or she was like really protective and like really, really, really protective. Like overbearing. Like wouldn't let him do anything. Yeah. I'm trying to see if I, I hope I didn't get my people mixed up. But are we going to do... Ed Gein or Ed Kemper next? It's whatever you... Uh, well, Ed Kemper, the only thing interesting about him was he was really tall, and he only killed women. And then Ed Gein um, made skin furniture. Ed Gein it is. All right, lit. All right, so that concludes today's episode. Um... It is definitely something to think about. Um, what were his motives? What made him do it other than hearing the word of God? Um, so come back next week when we talk about Ed Gein.